Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 88. Today we'll be discussing preparing and presenting professional development. We'll also be discussing some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment. We'll share our Work Smarter, Not Harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. Now it is time to share some highs and lows from the last couple of teaching weeks. So Tanya, what would you like to share today? Okay. Um, I want to share a personal high and a school high. Can I do uh-huh. that please? Yes. Right. Because we got a kitten. A oh, family your got a kitten. Is so cute. His name is Moose and he's white with some black spots on him. And he's a Siberian kitten. And this is a very big deal for us because, um, My son and my daughter are both allergic to cats. So we have been researching and searching high and low for a a kitten that might work in our family. And Siberian kittens are um, not as, um, their their enzymes in their saliva are not as allergic making as others. Um, Now, I won't say that we're completely out of the woods because there are, have been reactions, but um, we're hoping, and but they've been not horrible. And um, we're hoping that as we live with Moose, it'll get better and better. Aww. So we have a little white Siberian kitten. His name is Moose and we love him. And he's, he's a little skittish, but uh, he's coming along. So cute. Yeah, he is so cute. All right. Uh, so that's my little personal over spring break. That was one of the things that my family did. Um, and then as far as school related high, um, just this past couple of weeks, for the very first time, I used the website Look It, which is very similar to Kahoot. Oh. But it's more gamified than Kahoot. So just think of Kahoot, and then there's some an extra theme on top of it where you, well, for example, the cafe um, game that we've been playing is they answer questions, they get money. And they're running a cafe and they can, you know, um, upgrade menu items and they can feed the little cute characters that come in and they earn money. And um, so it's just a little more gamified than Kahoot. And I've only really explored cafe with kids, but there's other ones. There's like Tower of Doom, which involves like battling and using charisma points and and strength points, which is like I was like, this is too much. No, I just answer the questions. I just want them to answer the questions and do a little bit of gamified, not too much. But I might go there anyway. It's called Blook It. How do you spell and it? Blook It. dot com. Blook It. Okay, I haven't heard of this. Oh my goodness! Anyway. My fourth graders yesterday, yesterday, Friday, two days ago, they were. I mean, it was noisy because they were just. So excited. That's so awesome. excited. And I like that um, in Blook It, it recycles your questions. So I had like 10 questions about world percussion because that's what we're doing right now in fourth grade. And it just recycles the questions um, depending on if you choose like a time, a set time. So I said, you know, seven minutes. We're going to do this for seven minutes. And it'll just keep on asking questions for seven minutes. Oh, okay. Um, 
or you can do it where uh, it's a, like you use the game portion to tell you when the game is done. Like as soon as someone gets to $300, then the game is done. Okay. Um, but you know, especially older students, they love the competition. Oh yeah. And you got to capitalize on that. And I've always been someone who's a little bit um, trepidatious around using too much of that kind of tech because I'm like, okay, well, we're getting away from the music. We're getting away from music making. We're getting away from, but for a Saturday, for, sorry, Friday afternoon with fourth grade, or even to wrap up like a specific unit where there are questions that, that they can answer that are objective like this, then it's great. Awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. Cool. So that was a big hit. And you, Carrie, what's been going on? Um, oh, I want to share a hi too. Um, Long story short, um, I'll try to make it short. My sixth graders, um, we had um, a teacher who resigned halfway through the year for personal reasons. And unfortunately, they couldn't get um, a long-term sub in quick enough. So they made the decision to basically farm out our online-only sixth graders um, to another school and have another school um, teach them, absorb them. But the whole point was when we come back you know, after spring break, and we're in our third and final trimester of the school year, they're going to hope to get a long-term sub so those students can stay with us. Well, spring break came along, and I realized I had no idea going into spring break if I was going to have sixth graders when I came back from sixth grade, or from spring break. Um, I just kind of, like, forgot to ask the question. So it's, like, Sunday night before we're coming back after spring break, and I'm like, I literally have no idea if tomorrow morning, and of course, it's my first class of the day. So yeah. I'm like, will I have sixth grade? Will I not have sixth grade? I have no idea. And it's hybrid, so some are in person and some are online. Will they be there? I have no idea. So I kind of just planned a Monday, thanks to you, Tanya being like a Google form check-in and then um, just enjoy some some musical choice time while I get my act together um, because lo and behold, I did have sixth grade. So that's what I did on Monday. And then I realized I had um, until Tuesday to figure out what I was going to do with them for the next two weeks because we see them in a two-week rotation. Okay, anyways, here's the long story short prop uh, thing. I, I bought a great product off TPT and I want to give a shout out to um, Organized Chaos Music. It's Elizabeth, right? Is her name? Yes. Um, she yes, has Elizabeth a project on there. Yes. She has a project on there called Video Game Music Composition Project. And I had thought about this earlier in the year and I just jumped on there and bought it. And it's been so much fun. So there's different ways you can organize it and you can take it, which, you know, the best TPT products allowed you, allow you to have that flexibility. So thank you, Elizabeth, for considering that. Um, so since I'm seeing my kids in a hybrid situation, it really works well for me to be doing um, this in a, in a digital format, meaning the students are gonna be creating their music using Soundtrap, because we do have Soundtrap. Anyways, the whole point of the project is they basically create a story for a video game, and they need to have like different scenes or different levels, so that when they create the music, there's changes in mood and changes in style and changes in instrumentation, so that it's reflecting the different moods and scenes of their video game. And oh my gosh, my sixth graders are so into it. They're so excited. I mean, I have a few, you know, who are just kind of like eh, along for the ride because, you know, it's March and they're sixth graders and they've been in high. It's April. Oh yeah, it's April. My gosh. Yeah. Okay. It's April. <laughs> and they're sixth graders and they're tired. So I have a couple outliers, but overall, my sixth graders are so into it and they're so excited. So this last week, um, 
they were not very musical in the sense that they were really creating the story and they were getting some musical planning in mind, like they were making notes. So I had them use Jamboard to create a storyboard for their um, video game so they could add images and they could write sticky notes of like what they're wanting their music to sound like. So last week was all about planning and writing and getting the story and the characters and the flow. And then this week they're going to create the music on Soundtrap and they're really, really excited. So yay! thank you to Elizabeth for this great product. I'll be sure to link to it in our show notes. And I'm just, I'm happy to have happy sixth graders. That's just a lovely feeling to have. Yeah, totally. And now it's time for our main theme. So today we are talking about preparing and presenting professional development. And this was suggested by one of our listeners, Jeff. He is a member of the Virginia Organization of Kodai Educators. And we love Vogue because um, we we just know a lot of people in Vogue, yeah. you know, a few people in Vogue. And they're a fantastic Kodai chapter. And thank you so much, Jeff, um, for suggesting this because this is such an excellent topic, especially right now. We know that there are a lot of session proposals that will be due coming up. I know May 1st is usually the deadline for the Oak Organization of American Kodai Educators Conference, National Conference um, session proposals. Uh, maybe you are interested in presenting something at your state conference. I know ORF, I think ORF might have passed by this time. I'm not sure what, what's going on in, in the ORF uh, conference world. But as we're moving into maybe more live in-person conferences um, or even conference uh, PD that might be happening in your district that you've been asked to present or just around your state. We just thought it would be really helpful to break down like what kind of things you could be thinking about if you're wanting to present PD and um, take it from there. So yeah. yeah. So um, we, it's funny, this is one of those topics where initially you're like, what will we say? And then we start fleshing it out and it's like, oh my goodness, so much to say. I have a lot to say. <laughs> a lot to say. All right. So Carrie. Yeah. So we're going to start with, first of all, choosing what you're going to talk about. So um, whether you are putting in a proposal and you are totally choosing your topic or if you've been asked to present. So I know that if I have been asked to present by an organization, um, I might have some suggested topics that I might put forth or I might ask them what kind of topics are your people looking for? Because we, we don't know, especially if it's we're traveling to a different area of the country or whatever. So definitely ask if you've been asked to give professional development, ask the organization that's asking you what kind of PD they'd be interested in. But and it's also kind of have your go-tos ready to go of what topics right. you are comfortable with. And it's very helpful to have, I mean, if you've presented PDs in the past, it's really helpful to have a little blurb already written up that you can send out quickly yeah. to somebody because it, it's happened many times where people will say, well, we'd like you to present what you got. Right. And you just say, well, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I have a Google Doc running, going, just a running Google Doc that I'll have like the session title, a little blurb, suggested amount of time, like optional add-ons, like we could do this in the morning and a make and take in the afternoon. And I kind of have that ready to go that I can send to people and say, okay, pick one of these, you know. Um, right. 
But obviously, you need to know the audience as best as you can of who you're presenting to. So the obvious things are going to be, are we presenting to just elementary or could this be a combination of elementary and secondary? Because we know, again, thinking about the OAKE conference, yes, the majority of folks are still in the elementary world, but there's a growing larger contingency of secondary choral people, instrumental people. And we have different tracks of sessions at the Oak Conference, but people commingle all the time. So, I mean, it's good to, to you know, pinpoint your audience, but also just have an open mind that you might have other folks, you know, in, in the Right. Room. And, and, then, it, and oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I, I just wanted to say that, like, if you are invited or putting in a proposal for, like, a state music conference, that is going to be much different than for a very specialized group like Kodai teachers or Orv teachers or Delcro's teachers. Um, for a state conference, you can't come in with the assumption that everyone has fill in the blank training, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be more general and your material is going to reflect that in that it's going to be more, um, this could be something that an ORF teacher could use or a Kodai teacher or a first year teacher or a veteran teacher. So that's going to change everything if your audience is going to be more of a um, potluck of different experiences and education than if you are going for, you know, a specific Kodai conference or you've been asked to present for a Kodai chapter. However, and I really, this is very interesting because it's only within the past two or three years that I've come to understand this little bit that I'm about to say is that just because a chapter might call itself a Kodai chapter or an ORF chapter does not necessarily mean that all of the people there have their levels training oh, yeah. or have any so it, it depends on the chapter it depend, yes. depends on what's going on in the state because i have presented to kodai chapters where uh, you know maybe 10 percent have had a levels training because of what's available in the state and the other people are there because this is where most music teachers join for their PD. So knowing that is extremely helpful too. It might just be like, okay, well, we call ourselves this ORF chapter, but it's really this big umbrella for music teachers who are elementary. Yeah. And we know here in Colorado, we have a very strong connection. Our Kodai chapter does to, to, the, to CSU, our, our local university. So we get a lot of students, undergrad students who um, come to our workshops. So again, you just, you don't know. So definitely ask, you know, the organization, you know, ab about what percentage of um, your attendees do you think have blank training, whether it's Kodai, you know, or whatever, right. um, you know, do you anticipate undergrad, undergrad, undergrad students to come or master students? Or do you think these are mostly professionals or a mixture? You know, just ask those questions. And then it's always great to include, I mean, you'll have already flushed out your session by this point, but at the beginning of the session, if you could do a quick little poll. So if you're on a Zoom, if you're doing a Zoom online session, you could um, plan a poll ahead of time where people are asking questions. I've been teaching for, you you know, zero to three years, three to 10 years. Um, I have training in this or that. Um, I, I teach elementary only. I teach middle school. So you can kind of read the room, so to speak. And then that might help you make some kind of last minute switch ups. But again, at that point, you pretty much have it planned. One would help, right? No, but, so. but even in the moment, that is really useful because oh, yeah. let's say that you discover um, when you are 
at the workshop in the first few minutes that the nearby university has given incentive to those students, those music ed students who are undergrads to come to your workshop. That is super helpful to know because then, I mean, hopefully you would be able to go more into depth about like how you're going to teach a specific song or game. Like you can really adjust to that audience in the, in the room. Cause it does no good for these students, these undergrads for you to just be rolling on ahead and making assumptions about who knows um, how to present what, like, totally. yeah. Yeah. Another big thing to consider out is what's going on in the world of music education like right now and this has been such a huge thing this last year just knowing that we have been in a pandemic and that has affected everything so for example in the fall um you know if i was asked to present a pd i probably wouldn't be wanting to do just this last fall a lot of um singing games and dances because that's not what people were needing and if anything that's going to cause frustration of well i can't do this right now you know yes it's it's really great to give people ideas and, and tools for their toolbox that they can use in the future. But we know the reality is when people go to a professional development session, they want stuff that they can do as soon as possible. Sometimes people are looking for something to do on Monday. So as much as you can keep it current and relevant, obviously that's what we want to do for folks. Um, so, you know, this year it was a lot of new technology tools, how to take things online. That was all new. But now I'm finding like right now in this moment, people don't want to talk about technology because we're so sick of it. People now want to talk about how do we come back into the music room or what are some great songs and dances and games to do outside for the end of the year. With modifications. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, of course, if you are putting in a session proposal for, let's say, for next year in the fall or, or a conference that's going to be happening next year, it's really hard to gauge because we're not quite sure. So think about it in that flexible way. If you are going to put out a session that is songs and games, um, singing games, think about how you could have it be an in-person thing or modified for online, because that's also the reality we're in for teaching right now is learning how to be flexible and how to change the format of not only how we're going to give the professional development, but how people are going to take that professional development and apply it to their students. So yeah. um, it's a tricky year for that this year, especially, but even in, you know, quote unquote, normal times, just think about what, what people need and want and use your best judgment, obviously. Um, definitely consider your venue, the amount of time you're going to have in your format. So obviously, if you're doing a 45 minute session versus an hour session, I mean, those 15 minutes make a huge difference if you're performing at a, if you're performing I'm saying performing. No, if you're presenting at a state conference, and sometimes within the same state conference, they might have a mixture of 45 minute sessions, one hour sessions, one hour, 15 minute sessions. So just make sure it's abundantly clear what you're time is for your session and plan appropriately. Um, exactly. Think about the room that you're going to be in. What's the space like? So obviously, if you're going to be doing a lot of movement, singing games, dance, things like that, you're going to need to make sure you ask for a larger space or communicate. Or if you're being told this is the space, then you might have to adjust what you're going to plan. Yeah. And then obviously think about if you are doing an online Zoom type session or if you are in person because that's going to change. And, you know, both Tanya and I have both presented PD now in a Zoom 
environment. And, you know, my first reaction was, well, this is just going to be totally lame. But there's things about it that I think we've discovered that are actually kind of nice. I mean, one being that people can attend from all over the place. So you get a wider audience and you get people from all over, which is cool. It's not just people from a local audience. People are relaxed in their jammies, drinking their coffee. So it kind of has a more like casual feel. But I think for me, the coolest thing about doing, um, you know, online Zoom type presentations has been like the breakout room environment where you can just quickly put people in a room, have people discuss and get to know each other and socialize. I think sometimes that's been even more powerful than in-person sessions as far as building community goes. Yes, we're we're missing that big whole group interactive music making. Let's all get in a circle and play a game. But there's, there's some benefits to the small group interaction, too. Oh, yeah. I've really enjoyed the online presentations I've done this year, and I've gotten a lot more comfortable with them. And I think um, those breakout rooms, those are so very important. Um, I mentor new teachers in our district, and over and over again, the feedback has been that they really love being in those breakout rooms and discussing things and breaking things down there. And it's just, it's, it makes the difference between watching something on a screen as if you're watching television and really being a part of it. And when you're in a breakout room, it's not like you can excuse yourself. Oh, I mean, I, you could, but it's not like, like I'm going to go to the restroom. I'm going to read the room. I'm going to go talk to my friend over there, which might happen in a live PD, but people are really good about connecting and they know they have a limited time. And that has just been a real win with online presentations, I think. Yeah. And I have found it when I've been in PD and I'm in breakout rooms, I, I always want more time. At first, when they put us in breakout rooms, that the introvert in me sometimes goes, oh, gosh, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to talk to anybody today. But then as soon as I get in the room and you start talking and then you see that little you of one minute left, it's like, oh, man, we have more we want to say. So yes. um, I would say err on the side of caution and plan more time in breakout rooms and just make sure that you are clear with you know the direction of what you want people to talk about, but also give people that flexibility that they just might go off and just start saying, well, where do you teach and what do you do? And they just might start sharing stories. And that's just as valuable too. So find that balance. Totally. Yeah. And the final thing I'll say about choosing your topic is just obviously you need to speak to your strengths and your passions as an educator. You want to make sure you're choosing topics that you are very comfortable with, that these are tried and true things that you have done in your room with your students. You're not going to present an idea or a song or a game or a a lesson or a unit that you haven't actually done with your students. But, you know, more than that, it needs to be something that you're very comfortable with because, you know, when you are in front of that that group of people and if you get nervous I always get nervous when I present um if you're talking about something you're just not quite as comfortable with as other things it's going to show so you just definitely Mm -hmm. have to be able to because you have to be able to speak in the moment when people are asking you questions or asking you to expand on things it has to be something you have that depth of knowledge in so just think about what you absolutely love what your students love and what your passion is as a music educator and dig into that Yes. And along with that, if you are putting in a session proposal for something like a conference, you do want to check and see what their theme is for the conference. Yes. They're going to be looking for specific things that fit in with their theme. And, you know, if you don't have something that fits, then maybe this is not the year that you do that. Like Mm -hmm. the idea, I think, is that 
when you submit a proposal for a session, it's something you're passionate about, like you were saying, Carrie, something that you are comfortable with and something that you really want to share. Like that, that's what gets me excited. It's like, oh, you know, I've been doing mindfulness in the music room. I so want to share this with other people because it's been so good for my kids. And, you know, I have these artifacts and, and I can guide us through these things. So yeah, it's going to go along with what I'm passionate about, but hopefully it's also going to speak to the theme of that conference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then something else I just want to say, because I know I find this when I'm when I'm trying to decide on something that I want to present. Sometimes I go into this negative space of like, but I don't have anything new to share. I don't have anything original. Everything I do is stuff that's been taught to me by other master teachers. Well, of course, that's that's what we are as educators. We learn from master teachers. But then think about what your twist is on it. So maybe you've learned this particular song or game, but you've changed it up in this small way for your students. And here's why and here's why it works so well or you've taken this idea of mindfulness but you've used it in this way in your classroom differently than how Tanya has presented it so don't ever feel like you have to come up with some amazing brand new groundbreaking thing that no one's ever thought of before it's not that it's finding your personal spin and your personal passion and how you've taken things you've learned from others and you make it your own exactly Okay. So All right. Gonna... Well, let's talk about organization now. So yes, here yes. you go. Uh, so as far as organizing your session content, so you've got your theme and you know what your basically your big umbrella idea of your session is going to be, and you know, your time and your audience and all of that. Um, now, there are different types of sessions, depending on what you're doing, because I have attended sessions where it's more philosophical and fleshing out ideas of a music teaching methodology or philosophy, um, and that's different. But if you are presenting a session that you are giving a lot of songs, games, content, you want to incorporate active music making throughout your session um, and depending on the audience, like as much as you can. For example, if I'm going to be presenting in person at the Colorado Music Educators National Conference that happens in January in Colorado Springs, I'm going to be looking for as much bang for my buck as like uh, singing games, singing games, singing games, singing games and extension activities. I want people to walk out of my session going, oh my goodness, my goodness. And wait to get back into my music room and do this with my kids. Um, I'll talk some, I'll, I'll, you know, spend a couple minutes linking up ideas. But if I'm talking for say more than three or four minutes, especially if, if it's a 45 minute or even hour presentation, that's not going to, that's going to, things are going to die. Active music making is what I want to do. And, um, especially at the very beginning. My goal for almost everything is at the very, within the first five minutes, we're making music together yeah. because that's what we are and that's what we do. And that's what I want happening in my own classroom. And that's what I want to project to anyone who, any music teacher who is coming in the room to learn from me. I, even if it's a song that they've done before, even if it's online. And it was funny because you mentioned how we have both done some online presentations this past summer when I did my very first online presentation, I did start with music making through the screen and it's me and my guitar. And I tell you what, I felt so dorky and I'm like, I don't know about this as I'm doing it. However, 
I think that was still the right way to go. Right. You, you got to get people making music and you know, we, we teach music. This is why we, we love music. This is why we're here. Let's do it. Right. I, I think that um, it can just really just start everything off very positively and energetically. Um, I do not. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm not, I'm not a fan when I go to a session, even when I know it's going to be very philosophical. I'm not a fan when I go to a session and someone's just talking to me for the the whole time. I mean, that said, if it is, if it is a more philosophical type of talk, get people involved in that. Right. So maybe, maybe the focus is talking about philosophies of Orff and Kodai and Delcros and all that. Great. Make sure that you get the community of your music teachers that are in front of you involved right away. Don't talk at me. I don't want to lecture. Right. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, without, you know, talking down to the audience, we want to treat our audience as if they're the students, because number one, we know that all people learn better through active experiences. There are very few people who learn best through lecture. Exactly. And number two, we want to give the participants the experience of seeing things from the student's point of view. So they kind of understand, oh, I see you're teaching me the way that I should be teaching my students. I now know how how this feels as a student. So like when you said, you know, that when you did your Zoom thing, and you were playing guitar Well, I was in your session and I was singing along with you as if I was a student. And I had that experience of like, yeah, this is a little strange, but it still feels really good to sing along with Tanya. And that to me reminded me that when my students are on Zoom, they're having that feeling of, oh, it still feels good to sing along with Miss Nicholas. So I just yeah. think, yeah, we always have to make sure we're presenting our PD in a way that's modeling how we teach for students at the same right. time, even if it is a more philosophical thing. Yes. And just because it's fresh in my mind, um, the uh, Colorado chapter, Kodai chapter, Colorado, uh, Rocky Regional Organization of Kodai, uh, Colorado Kodai Educators, um, yesterday hosted Carla Chwinski, who uh, we both know very well. And Carla just did an excellent job of including people in these really more um, deep discussions about the Kodai philosophy. And it was just so, so fun. I mean, I know I'm a geek, but I, I, most people who show up to these, you know, we want to geek out and talk about philosophy and we want to bounce ideas off of each other. And, and that was just, it really kind of energized me, even though it was mostly talking with the community. She did an excellent job of making sure that we talked to each other and that we were, you know, going into breakout rooms. And so, you know, if your topic is like that, it can be done where it is totally invigorating as well. Get people involved. Yeah. Absolutely. Build that community, even if it's just for that hour. All right. Um, I'm going to move on with if, and this also works well in an online um, remote session, show videos of your students if you can. But that also works live because I've done that both ways. Whenever you can show students in your room demonstrating the thing that you're trying to get across, that is so awesome and helpful. And then people can ask follow-up questions. So I've done this live in presenting PD, but I've also done it online. And I tell you what, I whip out my phone 
just to take little videos in the classroom, a lot of those get thrown away because, Uh you know, things bomb or somebody comes up and asks to go to the bathroom in the middle of a song because, you know, that happens. Um, But it is just really helpful to have videos of your students doing the thing that you're trying to demonstrate. Yep. Absolutely. Especially um, in COVID times, I tell you that saved me this past fall. I presented for um, Queensland, the Kodai chapter in Queensland. Shout out to Queensland, Deb, (laughs) Debbie. Awesome chapter. Wonderful, wonderful people. I was so relieved that I had some videos that I could show and I could break things down. And so that was so helpful. Um, All right. So along with that repertoire that you might be showing with video, you want to check your rep, meaning that maybe there are songs and games that you've been doing for a while that are problematic and you might have heard murmurings about it or um, you want to check your rep. You, yeah. you don't want to come out of a presentation that was 95% awesome, but then 5%, there was that one song that um, is, you know, got problematic lyrics in it, even if it's three or four verses in yeah. um, that other people in the workshop are aware of that really can sink your whole, I mean, well, you shouldn't be doing it. It's not even about syncing your presentation. It's about making sure your repertoire is not going to be offensive, problematic to anyone. Yeah. Right. And if you're not sure, I mean, just do that little bit of research yourself. Ask a friend or colleague to look over your repertoire. Hey, email Tanya and I, we'll help you out too. You know, just... Get a second opinion if you're not sure. We know everything. No, we don't know everything, but definitely we are. um, I think I feel comfortable saying I'm I'm in the know of um, most of the common repertoire of what everyone is thinking twice about. Right. Yeah. And there's, there is a list, not that you should do everything by Lauren McDougall's list per se, but that just gives you a starting place to go, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Now I need to research and find out. And, you know, even if you are using, if you're using something that is in a gray area, because let's be honest, a lot of repertoire that you're going to come across, it's not going to be cut and dry. We don't do this necessarily. Mm-hmm. What if you're doing, and I hate to bring it up again, because we always come back to it, but pop up patch, you might want to take a minute to talk about, you know what? Papa Patch is very specifically gendered in its original form. And here is how I'm doing it now. And here's why. So you can take that time to say, I haven't thrown away Papa Patch. I'm using it. And this is how I'm changing pronouns, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So check and your that models that really well for your participants too. Yep. Okay. And also as much as you possibly can, please include the sources, the source material from where you got X song, game, dance, whatever. Um, Even if it's that you got it from another master teacher, you learned it in your level two um, Kodai at such and such place. It's really worthwhile to, and the integrity of our profession really demands that you mention where this came from. So if you can trace your song back to the Sissel Sharp folk song collection, cool. I mean, if you can't just mention that you 
learned it from Jerry Jacquard and, you know, research it as much as if you, if you are able to research the song as much as you can, um, that is always a good thing. And let's also talk about sources as far as um, games or extension activities, practice activities. Um, I, I know that this is not in vogue anymore as much because with Instagram and Facebook and all the blogs that people are getting things from everywhere. But I just think it's just a nice gesture to say, you know what? I learned this from Joe Kirk, yes. right? Or I know that the Solfa houses came from Sister Lorna. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I know that this is, I'm beating a dead horse and, and most people don't agree with me these days, but I think it's kind of sad that there's a lot of uh, music teachers who are making money off of ideas that came from master teachers. And now we don't even realize right. that Sister Lorna did those neighborhood houses mm-hmm. and, you know, someone's making, making bank right. um, out of that. I, I think that's, I mean, it's intellectual property is really what it is. It is. Yeah. It's just, it's giving credit where credit was due. If it's, it's not an original idea you came up with, then give credit just the same way I did when I just mentioned the sixth grade video game project. I didn't come up with that. I took this wonderful product that Elizabeth Caldwell created and I'm giving yeah. her credit for that. So yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah. It yeah. So it's just always a nice gesture to say, yeah. I learned this from so-and-so or, you know, this came from whatever. Yep. So All right. Moving on. All right, so now let's talk about some of the nitty gritty. This is where I get geeked out because I just love this organizational stuff. So now that you know your topic, when and where you're presenting, now you're going to really start to get to the nitty gritty of planning. So the first thing I do is, you know, in my Google Drive, I have a big folder of all of my presentations. And then in that big Google folder, there's a folder for every presentation that I've done. Um, and I've even taken old presentations and brought them into Google. So they're all in one place now. So I always go through this three-step process. I start by creating an outline of what my session is going to look like. That's just for me, for my eyes, just general bullet points of what I'm going to do. And then from there, I create my presentation slides and I create my notes, the notes that I will give the participants. Now, sometimes, I mean, there's quite a bit of overlap between the presentation slides and the notes, but they're different. I don't, the notes and the presentation slides are not exactly one and the same. Um, and it's important to decide what you want to share as far as you know, it seems to be the running joke now every time I go to a professional development or a workshop or a session at a conference, the question is always, are you going to share your slides? <laughs> and I understand the reasoning for it because there's often some really lovely visuals in the slides that people want. But I'm also very cautious. I'm, I'm of the mindset of the whole, what's the whole, you know, proverb, you teach a man to fish versus you give him the fish. You oh, know? yeah. I'm very old school about what I tell you what, I'm not as nearly annoyed as I was, say, five years ago when someone says, are you going to give us the slides? Are you going to give us the PowerPoint presentation? I'm like, come on. You write it down. You're like, right. I'm giving you excellent notes. Yeah. Ugh. And so that's my thing. I'm going to give you all the song notation with very detailed game, you know, directions. So later on, you can look at that song and you can look at that game and you can figure it out. But if I've created like some cute little visual with bumblebees and hearts, are you telling me you can't come up with some cute little visual with bumblebees and hearts that's going to work even better for you because you created it yourself in the format that you like? Yeah. I mean, I understand we all want to give and we all want to share and we all want to, you know, make the best use of 
of our time, but um, I'm of the mindset that I'm probably not going to give you my slideshow because those are visuals that I created that I'm not necessarily selling on TPT. I just created for myself and my students. And I feel that others can do the same because then you are learning how to create those things for yourself. I'm not going to do that part. Well, in a perfect world and, you know, a few times it's happened, I, I can say, oh, guess what? I have a TPT products right. product of the beat charts and the rhythm charts with the bumblebees, go get it. But I mean, even that, yeah, just, I think that it stays with you longer when you do a little of the, the, the work yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm not even talking about visuals. I'm talking about like, so maybe it's a session where I go into more detail about extensions on a game and I gave you the directions for the game, but then just off the top of my head, I mentioned these three other things that you could do with it. Write it down, right? right. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Or it's, email it's, me, it's, no, if people email me after something, like this happened just this past year, someone said, you know, I really want more information about how you make this game go. I made a video for this person, like. Oh, wow. Well, you know, why not? Because I, I really wanted to, you, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, this is how I do it and whatever. But um, yeah, I'm probably not going to give you my slides. I don't know. There, yeah. there are people who do, but uh, and that's may, talk to me in a year. Maybe I'm, I'll be giving away slides, but I- <laughs> Well, it kind of goes back to, it depends. I mean, if you've got videos and pictures of your students in your slides, which I oh, often no. do, then I can't no, give no. you my slides because no. I, I can show you those videos and pictures in the moment, but I can't give them to you. And I'm not going to go through and delete it all. And, no, I, I am of the mindset where I'm going to give you notes and I'm going to give you good notes and I'm going to give you exactly. space on my notes where you can take notes, but I'm not going to give you every single little visual that I made because you can do that for yourself. That's, yep, that's, that's my true. personal opinion. Um, and then as far as like planning what you're going to do in the session, I mean, we all know as good teachers, you're probably going to over plan. I mean, you're especially when I've given PD, I over plan probably too much. Um, so for me, it's always like, okay, if I know I'm not going to get to these last three songs and games I have I'm going to really make sure that those those notes are really detailed enough that if we don't get to it, I can say to the participants, you know, what? and I'm sorry, we're not going to have time for those last three, but you've got the directions and the notes. And if you have questions, feel free to email me, um, right. you know, just to kind of have it in your mind, what you're going to say in the moment, because you don't want to feel frazzled to be like, oh, my gosh, we only got through half of this. I'm so sorry. And then people feel like they, you know, are leaving feeling like it's an unfinished presentation. It's not that. I'm going to admittedly over plan, but in my over planning, I'm also going to plan that I've over planned. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And you're good about that. I am not as good about that as far as like, I'll, I mean, we'll get to the end and I'll have like five things we haven't done. Um, I just, I'm just always optimistic. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, always, yeah. I mean, I can't, I've never been in this situation, but you certainly don't want to be like, oh, we have 10 minutes left and I have nothing else to share with you. I mean, I can't, yeah. I don't think I've ever been in a professional development that that's happened. It seems like everyone always overplans. Um, and the good thing is you can always fill time with question and answer time too. People always want to have that at the end. But um, again, it just goes back to if you're giving, especially when I think about songs, games, dances, just make sure the directions are written very clearly. So if you don't get right. to it, people can do it later. Right. And along those lines, and I'm, I'm, I might be jumping the gun as far as like when, no, 
no, I can mention this now. Do give really good notes. Like if you're going to use a song, please put the notation in there because it is very frustrating to go to a session where you're like, oh my goodness, I love this song and this song. And then you find that it hasn't been given to you in the notes like that. That is that's and dictation is great, but I'm not that fast at writing out dictation. So yeah, having right. Well, and what's the purpose of the presentation? Is it to practice your dictation? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, the, I I know Ginger has done that in sessions, like on purpose, and she's. <laughs> She, she famously loves to have people write their dictation like on a napkin. On a napkin, because you're going to be at a conference one day and you're going to be getting a cocktail with a colleague and they're going to be like, here's this great song and you need to know how to write your, your notation on a napkin. I still have my notation from when Ginger was helping us with our musicianship. This is Ginger Littleton, by, by the way, our good friend. Um, I wrote out the, the Japanese game Say Say Say, which is like a rock, paper, scissors game. I still have my napkin that I wrote out. <laughs> I'm proud of that napkin. I love it. Of course, these um, days I just whip up my voice memo, you know, recording from my phone. But oh, well, this is true. Oh, well, let's let's mention. Oh, that let's talk time. about that. Uh, yeah, go. We have it later, and we can say it again. Be very clear with your audience of whether or not you're going to allow them to record you or not. Audio, video, photographs. Um, Some presenters are totally fine with that. I'm often totally fine with that unless I'm showing, you know, obviously if I'm showing a video of my students, I don't want them taking a video of that. But um, there are other presenters who, again, because you might have a product on TPT or or you might have an actual published collection of songs or activities a lot of presenters will say, and rightfully so, you may not take a picture of this thing I'm showing you. You may not record my voice because you're going to be able to buy those products later. So um, just make sure you as a presenter are very clear. Be clear with the organization ahead of time so they can announce it at the beginning of the session and then maybe also say it yourself. Say, And yes, hopefully it's in the contract. Yeah. Look for that in your contract too. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that definitely goes, yeah, that, that we've talked about this before and, and extensively and not everybody agrees, but even though it is a social media world, it is just common courtesy to ask the presenter, can I record you? Can I put it on Instagram? Can I put it on Facebook? Can I sell it on TPT? No. I mean, just because someone's doing something at a conference or giving a presentation doesn't mean that that you have permission to put their image on social media or whatever. Yeah, it's always nice to ask. Yeah. All right. So back to the whole planning thing. We already mentioned that the power of doing things collaboratively. So even in an hour session, especially if you're doing a Zoom, definitely plan on a breakout discussion group. Um, If you're doing in-person stuff, and I'd say, and it's any longer than I'd say two, three hours or longer, definitely look for opportunities. If it's like a whole day workshop or a half day workshop where people can get together in small groups and, and they can create something or discuss something or extend something. Um, Yeah. Just look for those opportunities because not only is it good for them, it's good for you as a presenter because it gives you that little break where you can get a sip of water. Maybe you need to run to the restroom. It also Um, gives you a chance to check in with where people are at. Oh yeah. And how they're taking what you're doing and, and you can, 
if necessary, make some switches. If you overhear a bunch of undergrads talking about you, they don't know what the hell's going on. Excuse me with the word. Um, <laughs> they don't know what's going on. And then you can adjust accordingly. Yeah. And as a participant of lots and lots of workshops and sessions, I'm always really appreciative when I get to debrief with other music teachers. Because it's one thing for me to be sitting there and in my head saying, ooh, I'm going to take this in the third grade. I'm going to add this, that, and the other. But when I can speak that and verbalize that to other music teachers and also hear what they're planning, it really stays with me. And that's really valuable. Yeah, totally. Um, if you are someone who, you know, is, especially if you have a TPT store or that, um, but even if not consider, you know, do offering like one freebie or two freebies, it might be a product, it might be a playlist you've created on Spotify. It could be like a little, you know, unit lesson plan. It could be like a worksheet template. Um, you know, I said that I am very much like, I, I want you to learn how to create stuff yourself, but I'm also okay with like, I'm going to give you this freebie. Now you go ahead and make the rest yourself. So offering a little freebie is always really fun. Sometimes I know when I've done sessions, um, the organization wants to offer a freebie as like a door prize. So I might donate a freebie that then they use as the door prize. So if you're doing a longer session for a chapter or something, you might consider that. But we know people love freebies. And then if you're willing to offer a freebie, I think that's great. But don't feel like you have to offer a ton of freebies either. Make sure that, you know, you are you are respecting yourself as a creator and an artist and an educator as well. Yep. And then my final, my final tip is when you are preparing all of this stuff, um, make sure you're not relying too much or at all on cloud-based things. So streaming music, pulling things down from your Google Drive. So I will say Tanya and I have probably both been in this situation, especially if you're presenting like at a state conference or a, a national conference where you've got 10 minutes to zip into that room, plug mm -hmm. in your laptop, make sure you're connected to the Wi-Fi and oops, I can't get the Wi-Fi right now on this thing. So yeah. make sure if you're using recordings, you have them saved to your computer. Um, oh, if you're yes. showing videos, have them saved to your computer. Your slideshow presentation, don't just plan on using a Google Slides presentation. Make sure you have the hard copy of it saved on your device as well. I, yes, I speak from experience that it is wow, that is a wake-up call when it's like five minutes until, and this has happened, um, it happened at CMEA to me, where for some reason, uh, I was not able to get Wi-Fi on my computer, on my laptop, and I had to quick and transfer um, some of my slides into a PowerPoint and present it that way, and I was linking to you know, I had to make sure that my, um, my music was open and it was not going through. It was just, it was very, oh, wow. It was, it was very frustrating. It, it, it went okay. Yeah. But boy, that is a wake up call. And I'm like, I said, old school about the music thing as well, that whenever possible, if I'm going to be using a song over and over again, I just like to go old school and go buy it off of iTunes and have it there so I know it will not go away. Um, plus, if you're streaming music from YouTube, man, nothing really takes you out of the moment than a Grammarly commercial. Oh, right. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's nice yeah. to not have to worry about that kind of stuff. 
And I'm pretty sure with Spotify, I mean, this is obviously with a paid account, you can download things you can. that will save for offline play. So, as you know, long as you're paying the subscription, you yeah, can have yeah. it downloaded. It's a hard yeah. thing to do. It's just important that you do it. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So all right. So for getting, professional. Oh, sorry. I was just um, going to say we're we're getting close to the presentation. We're kind of maybe a week out. What are some of the things that we're going to make sure that we so, are ready to do? Yes. As far as your personal needs go, um, let's talk about the day before the session or the day of the session. And um, it's it's really it's fun and exciting, especially your first couple of times presenting. I still get nervous after oh, every, every presentation. Time. Every time. Yeah, that um, you feel prepared and ready to go and know yourself and know what you need. So maybe you want to practice your session with colleagues or have other people look over your notes. I know I do that at least, um, mm. at least that if if not, you know, other things. Um, the day before the week of sleep enough. I mean, it's exciting being at a conference, for example, and you want to hang out with people and go to the hotel bar, but probably not the day before you're going to do an 8am session. You know, Um, you do you, but sleep enough, eat enough, drink water, know what you need. If you need a 10 minute meditation right before make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure you request everything that you need. And this probably happens a few weeks before, um, especially yeah. if you're presenting at a large conference. Don't forget that you're going to need three metallophones and they're not going to assume to have ORF instruments in the room. Like, remember um, anything. You maybe are bringing your own instruments. But if you bring a bell tree through airport security, <laughs> they will check your bags, just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of things. If you're doing an all day session, like a workshop for a chapter, ask them if they're going to provide you with lunch or if you need to bring your own lunch. That's that's important. Make sure you have food. Are they going to give you bottled water or do you need to make sure you bring your own? Right, exactly. So um, different situations are going to have different things already set up, but really make sure that you know what's going on in the room. Um, Can we talk for a moment about microphones? (laughs) Can we talk about my, well, can, yes, yes. Um, I mean, wh- what I was going to say was make sure you request a microphone. And then here's the other kind of thing I was going to say. If they say you need to wear a microphone, you need to wear a microphone because you do not know what the needs are of the participants in the session. And I've been this person before. And I'm like, oh, I really hate wearing a microphone. It really distorts the sound of my voice. I just, it's uncomfortable. Too bad. This is one of those things as a presenter, you are providing that accommodation for all members who are there listening. And there might be folks who are hard of hearing, or it's just that extra bit of an accommodation. You might feel like my voice projects, I'm loud enough. But then when you get into that ballroom with the carpet and the plush seats and everything, all of a sudden that sound gets sucked out. So wear the microphone. Yeah, I'm in your session and I need you to wear a microphone because I'm, I can't hear you. Yeah. If there's ambient noise going on and, and people are, yeah, I can, I'm not going to be able to hear. So please wear the, wear the microphone if they ask you to do that. Yeah, it's it's it works so much better. And just get over yourself as far as, 
hearing the sound of your voice. After doing this podcast with you, Carrie, I just don't even care anymore right. about the sound of my own voice. Um, well, and I'm wearing the little personal amplification microphone this year every day anyways with my students. And it's so funny because there's sometimes where I don't put it on like at the beginning of class and like while we're warming up, I put on the microphone. And at the very beginning, kids are like, it's so weird. We haven't heard you without the microphone in so long. So yeah. they get used to it. I get used to it. Just, yeah, get over it. Yes, <laughs> but you want to be heard and people want to hear you. So do that. Um, kind of along those same lines, kind of with tech, uh, know what kind of tech that you have in the room. Uh, yeah. um, once upon a time, I, I gave a um, session about using smart board technology. However, the room did not have smart board technology, which I thought was really, it really threw me for a loop. I mean, I made it work. Yeah. But it was one of those, oh, well, we don't have the smart board. We have this other kind of board and it wasn't compatible at all. And it was kind of like, you know, a facepalm moment. I mean, but it was still, it, it was workable. But it's like, if you need specific technology or if it's supposed to be including specific specific technology, um, make sure that that's there. Oh, there was another session I did at Oak um, and it was about smart board technology long time ago, people. And it was a smart board that was on wheels. So it was all contained in one thing. Oh yeah. So the projector was there and we literally could not figure out why it wouldn't project and the lens cap. It was a lens cap problem. <laughs> couldn't take the lens cap off. Oh man. And this happened, it happened like a good 45 minutes before the session, but I was sweating it out. I was like, oh my gosh, why is it not working? And um, yeah, it was, well, it, was also, it was a lens cap. Make sure you know that there's going to be a projector. I know that sounds silly, but Tanya, you and I have presented places where they have told us we do not provide projectors and we've had to bring our own projectors. That has happened. Now, yeah. So much as now it used to be kind of an older thing but just just 100 you never know and if you're a mac person make sure you have your dongle oh That's yeah important. i can't tell you how many times i've lent out a dongle or been running around hallways looking for a dongle yes, bring your dongle thing at conferences anybody have a dongle <laughs> <It's hilarious. laughs> okay um oh and this is this goes along with the day of and the prep for the session. And when you are in real time in the session, read the room. Just <laughs> like if you were in your classroom. If you see glazed over eyes, you gotta change gears, right? Well, you yeah, know, don't take it personally, just change it up how you know, however you can in the moment. But uh, if people are telling you things through their body language, or oh, I don't know, if 15 people walk out of the session maybe something needs to change from you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't know what's going on with everybody all the time. And I know I have had to be a person that walks out of a session because of, you know, something, emergency, something, and um, don't take that personally. Right. Um, but if you do see eyes glazed over or people are just not with you, then you probably are used to changing gears in your classroom. It's just like that, except for the kids are big, big kids. Right. Right. Okay. And then after the presentation, yeah. following yeah. up, what happens, before, Carrie? Before 
you go to the hotel bar and have your cocktail. Um, I mean, take a moment to to send an email or write an old fashioned thank you note if you want to to the organization that hosted you and just say thank you for having me. It was a great experience. Likely they're going to do the same for you, so it'll be kind of a back and forth conversation there. Um, make sure you are figuring out some sort of feedback protocol. So if it is a, a conference, the the participants are going to give feedback. There's always opportunities to give feedback. Um, if it's like a workshop for an organization, um, you know, ask the organization ahead of time, are you going to ask for feedback? And if not, maybe you include that in your session, a little Google form that you do at the end of the session, people can hop on their phones just for you. And if the organization is the one taking the feedback, make sure you follow up with them and say, can I get a copy of that feedback? Because how are we going to learn and grow as presenters if we don't get that feedback? So make sure you, you find a way to get feedback um, either yourself or from the organization um, so you can learn and grow. And then finally, if it's a session that you anticipate you might do again someday, and that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I've I've definitely repeated sessions for different organizations. Um, Just make sure you take the time, you know, within a day or two to make notes for yourself of what went well, um, what you would change for next time. Because I guarantee if you come back to that session a year or two later and you're like, oh, yeah, wait, what did I do again? (laughs) Um, Make those notes right away for yourself. So you'll you'll be able to tweak it and, and do better the next time you present it. Right. And you know, something I, I think about, but I haven't done, and I'm not as organized as I would like to be in this area is that it's, it's really nice when you make those notes for yourself is to like mention in your notes, like I did this presentation for Oak 2021, such and such date, like, so that in the future you can mention where you've done what. Yep. That's yep. how I title my um, my folders in my my Google Drive. Each folder is titled with the name of the organization, the session, and the date that I gave it. Good one. Yeah. And now it is time for our segment we call Know Better, Do Better, where we reevaluate a practice or a piece of repertoire or just something we're rethinking in our classroom with new knowledge, new information, new decisions moving forward. So, Tanya, what would you like to talk about? Okay, well, I wanted to talk about, quote, African drumming end quote. Um, (laughs) It is the season. I, I don't know about others, but just looking around Facebook, Instagram, and whatnot, um, I think I'm not the only person who does world drumming more this time of year. So this is around the time of year where I do like to pull out whatever I've got drum-wise and percussion-wise and use with my students and do like community drum circles and that kind of thing. But I just wanted to really focus attention on Um, let's be more specific about percussion instruments and from where they come and um, a little less using the term world music and all encompassing. I mean, as elementary music teachers, you use what you got. And if that's buckets and your bucket drumming, or if that's body percussion, 
um, because that's what you can do in a pandemic, then of course we do that. But I'm trying to get away from calling things, for example, African percussion or African drumming because Africa's continent as we keep mentioning and we know this. So uh, I'm trying to do a little more research myself to know, okay, kids, we're gonna do this song is from Ghana, right? Um, all this to say that I know we've mentioned on the podcast before that funga alafia is not a traditional West African folk song. Maybe you have learned it, you listeners, and I know I have, um, as a music ed student, and it has been in textbooks and all over the place and cited as a traditional West African song. It's not. Um, it has to do with people bringing it over to the United States and it being part of a dance ensemble piece. And I've looked for the best information, the easiest, you know, consolidated information that I could give you. So I have linked to, in the show notes, a blog post from Panko Jams that gives you some more specific history about the origin of Fungalafia. The tune is Little Liza Jane. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with Fanga Alafia, Ashe, Ashe, you know, oh, Eliza, little Eliza Jane, right? And it's got that awesome Cinco Pa that we love so much. This is not to say don't do Fanga Alafia, but let's represent um, a little bit better. So yeah. I myself, and I tell you what, I've done Fanga Alafia and I've told students this is a traditional West African song. Oh. I, I've made this mistake. Oh, yeah. um, I, <laughs> I'm trying these days, I'm not using Fungalafi at all. There's nothing problematic as far as it's not offensive in any way. It's just that it's been attributed falsely for years and years and years, right? So I'm also wanting to give a shout out to something you can use instead. Okay. Okay. And that would be, and and this is to use instead, not because it's got a Cinco pot in it. Um, Actually, I'm sorry, I could be wrong. Hold on a second. Sansa Chroma Nine Wo Chichikokoma. Hey, we're a little syncopated in there. Um, yeah. The song Sansa Chroma, uh, which is a song from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And you can find this in the songbook, Let Your Voice Be Heard from World Music Press, which is an excellent collection of traditional West African songs and dances and accompaniments. Um, that That is the song that I am turning to these days instead of Fungo Lafia. In the past, when I've done drum circles, fun, I've used Fungo Lafia as a go-to of something that we can like put rhythms to and also sing because it's got a simple melody and a simple, simple lyrics that the kids can latch onto. Well, Sansa Krama is even better because it is a traditional song from Ghana. So Let Your Voice Be Heard is the name of the song collection. Sansa Kroma sounds like this. Sansa Kroma nine wo che che kokoma. Sansa Kroma nine wo che che kokoma. Sansa Kroma nine wo kokoma. Sansa Kroma nine wo che che kokoma. If you look at let your voice be heard. It's got suggestions for dance that can go with it that I've actually had students perform 
in a concert before, um, drumming patterns that you can put with it. Um, it's such an excellent collection. That whole book is worth its weight in gold. And it also, well, my copy has a DVD because I got mine a long time ago, but uh, there might, I'm not sure what's going on now with that. I honestly can't say, but um, if you have the means to play a DVD, uh, it's got some wonderful footage of children performing these things or and of um, some sites from places in Africa. There's a beautiful uh, Victoria Falls with hippos, you know, in the water. Oh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, this is my no better, do better. Bungo Lafia, usable, but it's not a traditional African song. Sansa Krama is awesome song. It's been working really well. Kids love it. And that's what I'm using. Awesome. All right. And now it is time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip from Carrie. Tell us how to make it all so much smoother. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, this is not one of those things that's going to be like a time-saving thing. It's just kind of like a nice little extra lovely thing. So um, this year, with students doing so much more independent work on their Chromebooks and their technology, um, I find that, you know, when students start working, it gets really quiet in the music room. And I just hear like the little clicky clacky. It depends on what they're doing. Obviously, if they're doing something like a music lab, um, it's going to be loud um, if they're not using headphones anyways. But if students are like writing something or doing something that's not making noise, um, there kind of is this strange quietness that I think makes them feel uneasy. And it certainly makes me uneasy. So I have taken to finding some kind of background music that I can play while students are working. And I really want to find things that don't have lyrics that are going to be distracting, just kind of like soft, rhythmic kind of things. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some melodic stuff, but you know, just something with like a nice, like chill beat, right? So there's this really great playlist that um, I found on Spotify, and I play it all the time for the students. It's called Lo-Fi Beats. So if you have Spotify, just search for Lo-Fi Beats. And it's a great playlist. I think everything is instrumental if I can remember correctly and I just put it on shuffle play and it's just kind of got this like smooth jazz kind of chill hip-hop kind of vibe to it and the kids really love it and I have even found that when students let's say they're doing something on Seesaw or Flipgrid where they have to record themselves I find that if I'm playing that in the background as odd as it sounds um they perform better because, you know, especially if they're like the first kids who go to press record and record themselves doing something, um, they get a little freaked out because like, oh, I'm the first kid who's singing and everyone's going to hear me singing. So I know it sounds strange to be playing music in the background and having them record. Um, for, but especially, I mean, if they're singing, that might be an issue, obviously, because you don't want the tonality to get all goofed up. But if they're just doing rhythmic things or if they're like speaking and recording themselves speaking and talking talking about something, I find that having some real soft in the background music playing is really helpful because then they don't feel so like on the spot. I'm now talking and, and doing something in a very quiet room. So anyways, just playing soft music, lo-fi beats on Spotify is my favorite while kiddos are working. It just helps create kind of a nice, chill, calm vibe in the room. Nice. Yes.
So now it is time for our CODA section, where we each give a personal or professional recommendation, something we're enjoying in or out of the classroom. So Tanya, what would you like to recommend today? Well, um, I'm going to give a shout out to something that I got a few weeks ago, but I just neglected to mention uh, in our No Better Do Better section, I was talking about, um, you know, traditional West African uh, folk song. Well, there is a book that just came out a little while ago from Dr. Karen Howard and Kwanzi Donyo. And it is called Dance Like a Butterfly. It is songs from Liberia, Senegal, Nigeria, and Ghana. And it is a gem. This is a book that you want in your collection because she breaks things down um, in such an awesome way. Uh, I'm I'm still digging into it and making decisions on where things are going to go, but uh, it's just a very accessible volume. And, you know, I'm a, a big Dr. Karen Howard, like fangirl. Um, she's just, she's gold and everything she touches is gold. And this is no exception. Um, it's really worth looking into. It is available from GIA Publications and it's Dance Like a Butterfly. Um, I had mentioned before the Let Your Voice Be Heard, which is from World Music Press. So Dr. Karen Howard is taking on the World Music Press um, label and she plans to come out with subsequent volumes of, you know, quote, world music. So it's within that same um, kind of tradition that World Music Press started with Let Your Voice Be Heard. So Dance Like a Butterfly, awesome, awesome stuff. More songs to dig into. Oh. And uh, Carrie, yeah, you, what what have you been enjoying in there oh. out of the music room? Oh, well, it's in. I'm super excited because my ukuleles are finally here that I got through a Donors Choose project um, back in December. So here's the thing. Ukuleles are in hot demand right now, um, especially these ones. So the ones that I got are the Kala Waterman ukuleles, and um, they are all plastic, so easy to clean. You but can spray sound, those suckers, yeah. Yeah, they sound amazing. Um, I haven't used them with the kids yet. I'm going to start this week. I just unboxed all of them. I've been tuning them all and retuning them um, after after I would say um, three, I would say three days of retuning, they're now staying in tune. So that's a good sign. I mean, obviously they'll need some slight adjustments each day. But um, this particular brand and this particular model, the Kala Waterman, uh, again, are great because they're waterproof, so easy to clean. I'm thinking we might even like take them outside. Like if I upload some play along videos to their Google Classrooms, we could take our ukuleles and our Chromebooks to go and go outside on a nice day and play along. Um, I'm just really excited to be able to use them and um, they sound great and they look really cool too. Nice. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about keepers from the COVID school year. What we liked, what we adjusted, what we're going to do moving forward. There is no going back. 
Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.